Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com, but go join the Facebook group, Hyperclean Specialist, having a good time in there. Want to get right into it today. Big news here in the last few weeks for Toyota. Toyota has been the largest car manufacturer for, I think, the last two years plus. They're, they're widening their gap on Volkswagen Group. But the biggest news is they're the biggest car company in the U.S. now. GM basically has held that title since 1931, and now it's Toyota. What do I think is causing this is actually pretty simple. Toyota probably builds the best overall lineup. They haven't alienated what we call that mid-level buyer, that low-level buyer, uh, people looking for things that are twenty-five to $50,000. I think largely most of the, the auto manufacturers in America have completely alienated that group. So Toyota Corolla, as an example, they sell a ton of them. They sell a ton of Priuses. They sell a ton of these small vehicles. Now, We've seen the price of Toyota go up. We've seen Toyota feel a certain way about their product. And I'm a guy that has two Toyotas in my household. I got a Corolla for a family member that lives with us and helps us with the kids. Plus, we got a Lexus GX460 recently. I'm a Toyota fan when you need reliability. Are they mo the most fun cars to drive? Of course not. The 460 is a nice car. It's, you know, brand new. But the fact of the matter is they're not that they're not that type of car you can go to supra i think corolla gr is a, is a car that they've built that that they've gotten back a little bit to that you know enjoyable hatchback type of thing but to know toyota is about reliability toyota is about building a solid car that's going to work you're going to go out to your garage you're going to go out to your parking area and you're going to turn it on and it's going to work Basically, 20, 30, 40 years of that has now started to eat away at companies like Ford and GM, who always lose focus. You look at Ford and GM, their electric offerings, I think, largely are struggling. Obviously, I'm a big fan of uh, Ford's electric offerings, but look at the lightning headlines. Not great. Look at GM, Hummer. Big news coming out of Hummer right now is they had a battery connection issue on one of the on one of the Hummers. Now they got an issue where people are finding out that a taillight for a Hummer truck is, you know, a $6,100 endeavor because of, quote, unquote, the automation of the brake system and this and that and this microchip. Well, that microchip costs like $2. Let's say they have 25 bucks in the headlight. Folks, they don't have six grand into the, into the taillights. Excuse me. They don't. But here they are playing this game because you're buying a $110,000 vehicle. And some of those vehicles have been sold for double or triple that on the market. The U.S. car companies have completely alienated the consumer largely. Go look at the GMC tailgate. I mean, that's a travesty if you're a truck owner. If you're buying the GMC with that malt modular tailgate, you have to rethink your life. That thing is hideous. I was looking at him when I was down in Texas. I'm like, who the hell drives this? Well, I'm a GM guy. It looks like shit. And it cost $85,000. I'm having a call with a customer who actually Marty was on the phone with me. We were on a, uh, on a Zoom conference call. I had to take a call from a customer. The AT4 market for GMC, the bottom's falling out of it. Why? Because they're not $90,000 trucks. 
And if you're paying that, good on good on GMC for getting their money, but it's not a $90,000 truck, dude. we got to get back to some semblance of reality with these American manufacturers, and this is why Toyotas beat them. Toyota has something for everyone, and they beat the hell out of everyone from that twenty-five dollars to $65,000 car. They're the only ones really investing in that continuously. And reminder, I told you, they're the only ones not going heavy electric. They're sort of sitting back and saying, hey, we're going to invest a little in electric, a little in hydrogen, a little in this, a little in that. But we're going to keep doing what we're great at, giving you cars that work. So how did Toyota, largely Japanese cars in the 80s and 90s, were not trusted? 22 years later, the turn of the century, they've now overtaken GM for the first time since 1931. How's that happen? Lou, I, your eye's not on the prize. GM, to me, is kind of an uninspired brand. I don't really know what they're trying to build. They build trucks, great. They've done well with the Corvette, okay. Go look at what they did with Cadillac for years. They were investing heavy in cars and sedans while everybody else was going to the midsize SUV. So they have had to play catch up. Go to the Q, which is one of the worst infotainment blunders that they allowed to go on for, I don't know, six, eight, 10 years before they changed it. It was unusable. Toyota just keeps doing the right thing. Doesn't mean I love all their decisions. They're, they made a mistake on FJ. Okay. The FJ Cruiser, the overland world took off in the last five to seven years. They missed out on it because they didn't bring FJ back. That FJ Cruiser, go try to buy one. Those still hold crazy value from the uh, the, the plastic-clad body ones uh, of the early 2010s, 11s, 12s, those types of things. They, they still hold value, okay, because they were good overland vehicles. Discontinuing land cruiser in America is a stupid decision. They may reverse course, but what they're trying to do is push everybody to the LX600 out of the Land Cruiser. So at least there's a plan. Is it going to work? I don't know. I don't know. But they should not, and I repeat, should not have been able to overtake GM, Ford, but they did. Eye on the prize, do the right thing, build good cars, stay in your lane. That's what they've done. Ford doesn't stay in their lane. Chevy doesn't stay in their lane. They constantly screw up simple things. That's how you lose the top spot. I think right now, this Ford Lightning debacle and more will come out. Turns out a lot of guys can't tow anything with the Ford Lightning F-150. For those of you that follow Hoovy's Garage on YouTube, on YouTube, I mean, he may have single-handedly put a dent in the sale of that truck. People not even being able to tow 100 miles. A couple sharing their experience where they got 55 miles out of a charge. This transition that all these companies are trying to make overnight, it could sink some of them. Not like they're going to go away, but they could be in real trouble where they have to just discontinue a thousand different lines of cars because they, they're so deeply in the hole. Toyota, yeah, we're going to wait it out. Which one do you trust? Well, I trust Toyota. Not because I love every decision they make, but because they seem to make the most consistent decisions all the time. Dodge, hey, let's just go straight into it. That Challenger and Charger sell well. Let's screw that up and go all electric. Okay. Toyota wouldn't have made that decision. 
and they beat the brakes off of Fiat Chrysler and, and, and global sales. So we're in this weird world where it really doesn't get any headlines that Toyota is the biggest in the U.S. now, mainly because, let's be honest, the, the U.S. brands control most of the media around cars because what are you going to say? Ford right now, they're more concerned with going after dealers than they are the biggest flaws they got. Ford's going to be in real trouble if the CEO doesn't get focused. Maki should have been great for the company. Bronco should have been great for the company. The launches were messed up. Too many Bronco sports on the road. Oh, well, Nick, everybody's waiting on their Bronco. My exact point. I still got three Broncos we're waiting on. Now, these customers don't care. They're largely going to head to different parts of the country, to this house, to that house after we take care of them. But for people that wanted Bronco, think of how shitty this launch has been. That's how Toyota wins. They just kept on, kept on, kept on doing the right thing as consistent as possible. And you, you, you actually have a brand that you can watch from the 80s and 90s that they've blown out of the water, which is Honda. Honda doesn't nearly have the footprint of Toyota. And, and relative, it's because of Honda continually building a better vehicle, building a better customer experience. That's why. You know, I come from a place where there's a lot of Hondas built, you know, near where I grew up. A lot of people that I know work at Honda where the NSX is built. Look at that. NSX is gone. Largely made no impact in the sports car world. That shouldn't have been the case. NSX was a special car. Toyota continues to do the right things. Having BMW build your, your super engine, super engine. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that, but they're not that invested in Supra. They're invested in that 25 to $50,000 car that runs forever. And they're just going to keep killing people as long as these other companies continue not to do the right thing. Let's talk a little bit about the auction market. So auction market gets really quiet after Pebble Beach. You'll have a lot of muscle car. We've seen the prices come down. We've seen some prices stay pretty steady. The ultra wealthy have not been hit. Even with the with the stock market down roughly 20% this year, that's not a very big number to people that make a lot of money that are ultra wealthy. It's just not. Okay. So that market is pretty quiet right now, but I can tell you this. I've been offered more private sales for customers than the previous three years combined. A lot of inventory is going to change hands behind the scenes. We got a bunch of projects. Uh, we were involved in, I know one thing I can't talk about publicly was a motorcycle transaction. We have been involved in a couple Ferrari uh, things behind the scenes. But private sales are up in my world where auctions are a little bit down. I still get a lot of conversation about auctions. Hey, this is on bring a trailer. This is on cars and bids. Largely, I think they're struggling a little bit to find their footing. And they're, they're trying to find what works. Bring a trailer really hasn't had a bunch of things that interest me consistently for the first time in quite a while. I mean, bring a trailer did a nice job of, of, of accommodating all kinds of different cars. And I think it's just kind of slowed for, for companies like theirs, but there is a collection coming for sale at the London auction, November 5th, I believe by Sotheby's got three Bugattis, got some rally cars, got a Mura SV. Plus it's got all the Ferrari hypercars in it. This is being called the Gran Turismo collection. 
this is probably one of the most complete single owner collections you'll ever see come to market. I think it's going to get massive numbers. It's all one owner cars from my understanding. We'll see because I think there's an F40 in there, uh, maybe an F50. I didn't get all the details just yet, but I'd be surprised if those were one owner. Uh, that's what it's being represented as, but but I'm sure that's just a little bit of a marketing ploy. Could be wrong. It could be all single owner. If that's the case, you're going to see some really large numbers on these cars. Rally cars will go for okay, but those hypercar Ferraris, the three Bugattis, the Mura SV, those will, will go for massive numbers if it's truly one owner collection. Because one owner cars of those type of cars will go for real big boy numbers. That's really all that has interested me in the auction world, which is why I don't come on here and talk about it. I don't want to talk about things I'm not interested in. I'm not real super interested in the, the ups and downs of the, the muscle car market. I've been a, made aware of some very, very large muscle car collections that are going to be pieced out privately to 300 cars. Uh, I think that market, like I've said on here, if you're 60 years old and listening to us, you're going to get a deal on your dream car if you don't have it already here in the next 6, 8, 10, 12 months. Uh, by all accounts, the market could get hit again. If it gets hit again and you see another 20% dip, the market's completely down 40%. You could see muscle cars down 40 to 60% themselves. So keep your eye on that if that's your lane. I want to talk a little bit about paint protection film because it's probably the number one question I get asked to talk about on, on these Friday, Saturday episodes. I got a Ferrari 812 super fast coming in for a hood replacement, took some hood damage. PPF did its job. The piece of PPF needs to come off the hood. Okay, simple job. Here's what's not simple because I have so many people that get into PPF and can't figure out where all the money goes and have a hard time making money at it. And, and it really is difficult to make money long-term. Let's use this as an example. First of all, in this hood, you got to use 72 inch film. For those that don't know, the average film is 60 inches. You have to use 72 on this hood because it's you roughly need about 66 to 68 wide and about 65 to 68 long. So the width of the hood is the big problem. Plus, you have two vents on the hood that are really tough to deal with if you try to pull this thing too tight. So you can't really aggressively stretch a 60 inch and get it to lay down in those little valleys, so to speak. But here's an example. You don't use a lot of 72 inch film. Very few shops do unless you're doing a ton of, you know, super fast type of cars, which, you know, you'll carry a roll or two maybe, but let's say you don't carry a 72 inch roll. So now you got to order it. It's $800 minimum for that roll delivered to my shop. Doesn't matter who I'm talking. It could be 900 under some people, but a 72 by 20 foot, five foot roll, which isn't even a full roll. A full roll would be considered 50 or 100 feet, but normally 50s. It's $810 delivered to my door. How much can you charge to replace a hood? I know most people are charging five, 600 bucks for a hood. So you just buy the 72 inch roll. You're already underwater on the job. Well, Nick, I can make it up on the next job and I'll continue to use that roll. Yeah, that's not the discussion. The discussion is the minute you're not profitable on one job, you have to make up the loss on the next job and the next job and the next job. What if I have three hood replacements right in a row, all of 72 inch film? 
and I take a loss on every single one of them. I actually never make money on this roll of film. Plus I got to pay my people plus my time plus my effort. And a lot of guys, if the removal's easy, don't charge very much money. If any at all, they'll just do the removal for free. So why do you do these jobs? Well, I'm going to go through the cost of the film internally. I'm going to make sure the customer knows what that costs, how long it takes us to remove the film. We'll include that. But we include that in the price. We don't just do hoods for 500 bucks, and a lot of shops do. And that's okay, except when you run into jobs like this or you do a big Dodge Ram truck or something that eats up a ton of film or a specialty film. And now you're sitting in a place and going, this is how shops lose money long-term because this is one of my great customers. Of course, I want an 812 super fast. I'm going to be able to drive it here is number one. Plus I get to deliver it back to his house. So that's a sign up for me all day long, even though I drive this car quite a bit. But this is the issue when people ask me why PPF shops struggle is because they never analyze job to job, the cost involved in that job. And this is a perfect example where if you don't do the right thing and you just say, hey, had to order that film, no big deal, $500 hood replacement, you do everything by the book according to the way you do things, you are down massively on this job. Because that 72-inch film roll may sit around your shop forever. And I know what people are going to say. Well, I'd put it on my plotter and we'll do I got you, man. Everybody's perfect. Here to tell you, this is where we see the problem in the PPF market. Not a complaint at all because I understand the mathematics of what we're doing and we're going to make money on this job, but it's not going to be a huge moneymaker, but I get to keep a client happy. I get to do things to help him. It doesn't look ugly anymore. Uh, it, we fix a problem. He's a great customer and he's going to allow us to make money. But what if I have a stingy customer? I'd probably be pretty hard pressed to make money on this job. Wanted to share that because I get these types of questions all the time. Just want to share something internally. Obviously, I think we have, I'm picking that car up next Wednesday, maybe. So I'll have it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, just because the customer can't pick it up until Friday. So we'll have some content. Go to HyperClean Store on Instagram. Search us on TikTok. We'll have a bunch of content around this car. That's why you need to follow us on all platforms. Last thing today. The world is shifting for the professional detailer. I've been saying this for two years on this podcast, two plus years on this podcast, that most companies are going after the DIY market. They're not talking to the professional anymore. And just in the last few weeks, we've had some things break loose that many of you have asked me about. So let's address them here. One of the nine layer ceramic coating companies that supposedly gives you territories and leads is now making content around selling directly to the consumer DIY products. No anger on my part. I've been watching this happen for over 10 years. I've told most of you pros listening to us over 10 years, I've watched what is going on in this market. What about this trainer? This guy that teaches you how to be efficient professionally knows everything about detailing, has worked for a big brand or a few big brands, and now is selling direct a DIY product. Awesome. I saw it coming. If you didn't, you weren't listening to paints and polishing, but you are now. 
chemical companies are going to do what they have to do to grow their bottom line to make more money. And the professional market is largely pretty stagnant, folks. We're going to have the same amount of professionals. It'll grow with population a little bit, but there's not going to be some boom in the professional market. And so if you run a chemical company, you got to speak to everybody that uses chemicals. The pro uses chemicals. Now the DIYer uses chemicals. We have more people taking care of their car since the pandemic to now, the beginning of the pandemic to now, the DIY market has exploded. It was already on track of exploding for the last 10 years prior to that, but we saw a real boom with YouTube and all of these different videos and how-tos and everything that goes on. And it's really easy to be really mad about this shift. But I want to help a little bit, I guess, the way that I see things and something that's helped me in my career is to understand that the first questions you ask yourself when you're, when you're witnessing something are going to be the most important. So let me give you an example in the professional market. I've said this before, but we got a bunch of new listeners, so I want to say it again. I've been told that the professional detailing market, if we certified everybody, man, our mark, man, we'd be in a way better spot in the professional market. When you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers. Therefore, you have the wrong action plan. That's my two cents. We could certify every detailer that exists, and it doesn't change anything about the professional detailing market. You're not going to magically create more demand because of that. And that is the question we should be asking. How do we get more car owners to hire professional detailers? That's the real problem in the professional market because less than 5% of all car owners will ever interact with you, the detailer. So that means 95% of car owners never go to a detail shop, never have a mobile detailer come to them, never do any of that. Certify every single person that details a car. You haven't fixed the fundamental problem in the professional market, which is what? We don't have enough customers. When only 5% of people interact with your industry that own cars, that's the problem. That's the question you have to answer. And because you started with the wrong premise at the beginning, you've gotten the wrong answer. Certification is fine, but you haven't solved anything. Certify everybody. Awesome. You still don't have enough customers. But if I went from 5% of people using a detailer in your town to 10%, there wouldn't be enough detailers. The price would go up because of supply and demand. That's how the world actually works. Not some dreamland of certification. And there's nothing wrong with chasing certification or doing certification. It's just not the first problem to fix. And therefore, the pro market largely hasn't been helped by certification. Show me statistics where it's helped the pro market. It hasn't. I have a family member that works on nuclear reactors. Pretty important gig. They make parts for them. You know how many certifications they have on the line where they make the stuff that helps nuclear reactors not melt down? There's not a certification among them. They get tested for their part not failing, but there's no certification. They make billions of dollars at that company. Certification doesn't solve the customer issue. And the customer issue is what the detailing market has. So let's take this to the internet. 
as the DIY market grows, you're going to have all these people put their hand in the chemical market to go sell to the DIYer, largely cutting the professional detailer out of the mix. Here at HyperClean, we've offered a different solution. Get involved. Go sell to the DIYer in your area. I'll repeat, don't miss out on the boom. Go get into the boom, become a distributor of HyperClean, go sell chemicals in your local market at car shows, at cars and coffee, hold seminars if you're shop-based. If you're mobile-based, see a place you can go hold a seminar. Teach people how to clean wheels. Teach people how to clean paint. Teach people how to do a one-step polish. Because guess what? Those people are never going to become your customers anyway. But I can make them a customer of my chemical business. The amount of professionals not getting into chemical distribution is one of the most shocking things of the last two years of my involvement with HyperClean. Or dipping their toe in and not putting time into it and not realizing the opportunity. Because here's what's going to happen. And it's already happened. And two years ago, I predicted this. And now here we are. Does everybody remember the windshield coating company that was all professional? And then two, two days into the pandemic went, all selling to everybody. I'm not mad at them. I saw it coming from a mile away. Many pros didn't and still are baffled by ceramic companies. that are going to start going directly to the DIY market. Don't be surprised. That's what they're supposed to do. How do you get your piece of the pie starts with asking the right question. What is going on is the first question. These people are trying to expand their market. Okay. We've identified it. The second question to ask yourself is, instead of being bitter about it and being one of those guys that, you know, bashes people on Facebook or can you believe this hack on YouTube? Why don't we ask ourselves, what would happen if I was just a reputable guy and I went out and started talking to these people? You know what would happen? Money into my business. Money into your business. Notice I didn't say go sell to other detailers. Notice I didn't say go sell to car dealerships. That's all possibilities long-term. But the real money is for you, the detailer, have so much knowledge of how to properly use chemicals. Do you know how many people I see on the internet or locally, guys driving around in trucks that know nothing about ceramic coating? A ton of them. Largely people selling chemicals in your area, and trust me when I say this, think ceramic coating is witchcraft and it doesn't work. Don't believe me? You should, because that's a fact. I've watched professional detailing miss out on so many things in my career. And the biggest mistake I made in my career is in 2010, I should have launched a chemical distribution company right alongside my detailing company, both at the same time. And yeah, you're going to have to spend some Saturdays away from the family at a car show or weekend. But let me share a story with a guy that opened up chemical distribution about 12 to 18 months ago. He is on pace in 2022 to do 700 to $800,000 in sales. That's a customer of ours. Pretty big deal, isn't it? Changed his life. Has become an owner of something he never thought possible. Put his head down, trusted in the distribution model, went out, started killing it. It isn't because of Nick and Marty. 
it's because that is there. He goes to car shows. He sells to detailers. And guess what? Every detailer doesn't buy from him, and he doesn't go after the detailer. He's just built through that DIY market. And as those DIYers maybe chase professional detailing, they already trust him. And so in 18 months, seven to $800,000 in chemical sales is possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen for everybody. You got to put the time in. But instead of being mad at all these people going behind our backs as professionals, just go get your piece of the pie. Ask yourself the right questions. You're going to get the right answers. What's happening in the market? The DIY that will never buy detailing from me. How do I get involved? I sell chemicals to them. If I never sold to a detailer in a local market, but I sold to everybody that takes care of their cars, I could build a six-figure chemical distribution business in damn near every city that exists. That is crazy to think about. I don't want my fellow detailers to miss out the way that I feel that I missed out. Now that I have the inside knowledge that I have, I want all of you to hear what I'm saying. Get into chemical distribution. Be the expert in your area. I promise it'll be the best decision you ever make. Don't get mad about chemical companies selling to the DIYers. Get mad that you're not getting your piece and then go get your piece. You can contact us if you're interested. Don't want this to be a sales pitch. I got hit up about a couple companies that have made it clear they're going DIY. I take no offense to it. I'm not mad about it. I understand it. It's all good. I don't look at it negatively at all because I'm going to get my piece of the pie. And I want all of you to join in on that journey and get your piece as well. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.